This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is always good to begin the day with you, and we thank you for listening and Remember, if you ever have anything that you want to send to us, you can just email at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. We do have an email, um, and we're going to maybe confess at this point that it is not used very often. So if you want, you can send us an email. It will get a lot of attention because it will be one of the few that we do receive. If you have questions, if you have series that you're interested in or ideas, topics that you would want us to address, just send those to thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. We have the opportunity once again to just hopefully be preparing our hearts and minds during this Christmas season to have them stay focused on Jesus Christ. We've been doing so by going through some of the names and titles of Christ. And today we are looking at Jesus as the Word, and that is a unique title. And it comes from John 1, and I think at this point, Ryan's going to be reading from John 1. This is John chapter 1, and um, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is behind this name, this title, the word why is that how john introduces jesus christ at the beginning of his gospel well, one of the things he does right is tie our minds all the way back to the old testament in genesis um, where we read in the beginning god spoke and we get this idea tied together that, that jesus is intricately involved and participates in the act of creation as the second person of the trinity he's the source of all light and life in, in creation. So whatever existed before the fall, whatever exists after the fall has always and forever will be connected to Christ as its source, as the word. Yeah. The, in the old Testament, as you're reading along there, you recognize that very often 
you're referencing the Word of God. And in calling Jesus the Word, we, God is, he is being associated with the personification of God's revelation. So, you know, not only does Scripture use this phrase, the Word of God, as a, a thing, it is also a person. It's not just, it's, it's a he. And, and Jesus is the Word. So, in these verses, uh, the overall emphasis on calling Jesus the Word highlights the role of Jesus as both God speaking, God himself, and also referencing his human nature. Yeah, there's an aspect, you know, as, as Vinny, you mentioned, going back to creation, and that's kind of where John really roots it in going back to he's the Word, and nothing was made that was made apart from him that uh, he is God and uh, he was with God. And so God's revelation, it's, it's, it's speaking really to both. I mean, the, this, this name, it, it's referencing what we call the general revelation, just the fact that he is the creator and everything has been made, was spoken into being through him, through God's word. But then also his special revelation, his scripture, he's the sum and substance of all of the promises and um, everything that was pointing to him. And, and I think, the original audience, John's audience, would have been in agreement with them, like as as he's going along, and then he would get to verse fourteen, and that would be kind of the the moment where they're kind of like blown away. That wait a second, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he also says in verse eighteen, "No one has seen God any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him or revealed Him." And so that aspect of the Word of God and revealing it's through Christ that we really know God. Yeah, Bob Inkle, sorry, Bob Inkle say that uh, Christ is the origin, the object, the essence, and the fruit of God's revelation. Mm-hmm. So he's the he's the origin of it. If we want to know the Father, we have to know Christ. He's the object of it. As we look at Christ, we learn of the Father. Uh, he's the essence of it. He it c- carries with him the character qualities of the Father personified, and then he's the fruit of it. As we take and come to know Christ, uh, we begin to take on the character of God. So we're going to cover a little ground that we've been at before, but I think it's so essential to have this solid in our in our minds. But you have this idea in verses 1 through 4 that Jesus is God. With God, involved with the creation of the world, and, and John is trying to convey this truth that everything that is true about God is true about Jesus Christ. Then you get to verse 14, that that word dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. And so John is establishing what we talked about, at least in part, with the whole idea of Emmanuel, God with us. This is John's way of just using that idea or communicating that same idea. Why is it so important that those two truths are always connected, that Jesus Christ is God, but he's also with us, and specifically with us meaning that he came as a human being and was born as a human being. Yeah, I think he's in the process of, of restoring what was lost in the garden. If you think about uh, even in Genesis 3, a- after the fall, it says God comes and walks among the garden in the cool of the day, as was the usual practice among Adam and Eve. And then sin removes that opportunity as, as humanity is cast out of the garden. And then from Genesis 3, 315 forward god has been in the process of redeeming us so that we might come back to a place where we can dwell with him the word there john uh, that john uses in john 114 is uh, the idea of tabernacled among us which is dwelling this ties us to exodus 25 8 which says 
They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. God always had this idea among his people that he would be the center, that he would dwell and be among them. As Christ takes on flesh, we, we see God personified and carrying that process out fully to the atonement, which covers the penalty for sin, which then enables us then to meet with God and have the spirit indwelling among us now. Yeah, through the, the Old Testament, this language of covenantal language of you will be, I will be your God and you will be my people, that relationship. And as you know, Vinnie mentioned, the, the, the tabernacle pointing to this, this truth of God actually dwelling among his people. And when you look at uh, how the tabernacle was arranged and then how the tribes were arranged around it, I mean, the, it was literally in the heart of the camp. And uh, God, that that picture of God dwelling among His people, signifies that close relationship, which is uh, secured through Jesus's work. So, why is this? I think Christianity is is somewhat unique in this this concept that we have a God that is both transcendent and a God that is imminent. Why is that so unique? Why is that so important to the Christian faith? Well, just just if we do some comparative religion. Ours alone is the one that says God comes and dwells among us because he desires a relationship with us and condescends toward us, imminent, involved. Every other world religion is it's like climbing a ladder. You've got to, through right behavior or right practice, make your way up to the divine. You've got to work your way there. And then that can be as ugly as jihad in, in, in Islam or works based in Mormonism. Right? You, you, there's this effort-based relationship with God. Christianity is grace-based. God comes and dwells among his people. I think you can say that um, truly every false religion has its source in the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Um, that moment after the flood and humanity gathered together in really rebellion against God, seeking to make a name for themselves. But you, know, you can always ask, like, oh, why are they building a big tower? You know, I mean, why is that a goal? Like, well, you have in scriptures and, and in all false religions, there's these high places. I mean, people, it's it's a it's a way of trying to ascend to heaven and trying to get there on your own strength. And and, and this is, as, as Vinny, as you said, I mean, this is what separates Christianity from everything else. Because even in the Tower of Babel, in that account, what does God do? It's emphasized over and over again. He has to kind of look down. It's kind of like he's in heaven. He's like, what are they doing? <laughs> and he has to, you know, like, let's, what, what? <laughs> and, but, but there's this dissension that he has. And, uh, I think that pictures for us. I mean, that, that is the way that we are truly brought back into relationship with him is that he condescends and that ultimate pinnacle is in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So I am going to, to assert something that you can deny the assertion and then we'll, we'll move on. But, I don't think that this problem is only for those outside of the faith. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes the danger within Christianity is that we can overemphasize one over against the other. So we either overemphasize the divinity of Christ at the expense of his humanity or overemphasize uh, his humanity at the expense of his divinity. And what's the danger on both sides? And what are some ways in which we can maybe maintain a healthy balance? Go ahead. Go ahead. You you were about to open your mouth. Oh, all right. So I think if you if you overemphasize humanity, you 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 may you may move the gospel to uh, 
you may make it too earthly. What I mean is, is that Jesus' work becomes a moralistic example that we should follow. And all of a sudden the work becomes um, exclusively uh, moral good works in society. So I don't have anything against soup kitchens or clothing drives or canned food drives, but if that becomes the extent of your gospel, then you're only meeting the physical needs here on earth. If, if, if you reduce Jesus to being too human, additionally, we could get into the atonement. If, if Christ is merely human, then he doesn't have the ability to atone for sin for humanity or for his people. He, he can only atone if he had sin for himself, if he's, if he's merely human. And if we overemphasize the divine of, I mean, that also affects, I think, the atonement as well, because a man had to shed his blood on the cross. I mean, it it had to be a representation of humanity that had to suffer and to live and be that perfect lamb of God. And so you have Jesus Christ. He's the God-man because he fulfills all that. I mean, his, his blood can cover all of the sins of his people because he is divine, but it's also, it can cover the sins of his people because he's a man and he's one and the same or both. I think the, the book of Hebrews actually provides us a great balance between the two. You, you have mm-hmm. the opening lines of, of Hebrews establishing Jesus as um, the exact imprint of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but then all of these wonderful truths throughout the book about how Jesus can sympathize with his people because he dwelt among us. And, and so you have this beautiful balance between Jesus Christ is the one who reigns at the right hand of God on high and at the same time who's approachable and near um, to his people. And so hopefully during this Christmas season, you can remember that the word was with God in the beginning and that the word dwelt among us. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.